Good morning. Before we transition into our message, um, I just I want to share a couple things with you, and 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 we're gonna pray for for our for our kids. Um, but one, I just want to I want to thank you uh, for giving my uh, my wife and I an opportunity to spend some time away. It was um, incredibly rejuvenating, um, and the Lord was very kind to give me some opportunities. You know, the you go on vacation, and uh, the the work of the Lord and, and the leading of the Lord is still very present. Let's try this one. I was wondering if I was the issue earlier. But I had some I had some very wonderful opportunities to share with some some folks, uh, people who are at the resort with us, with some some of the people who are you know native to the island of Saint Lucia, and uh, I'm sure that some of those testimonies will will work their way into uh, into messages here in the near future. Um, but I also want to tell you what a privilege it is to lead a church that is so willing to be responsive to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Um, we are nothing <laughs> except for a social club if it's not for the work of God and his power and among us. So um, thank you for those who responded so well. May God bless you as your eyes are opened even further to how much the Father loves you. Um, so, hey, uh, we believe mightily in the next generation. Uh, we don't just say it, we practice it. Um, and as we do every Sunday, <clears throat> if there is, if you see, if you just see a child, whatever child's closest to you, let's just reach out our hands towards these children. Uh, if you're close enough to lay hands on them with parents' permission, let's do that. Father, we love you. We love you. Would you open our eyes? Would you blow us away with the realization of how much you love these kids? You have gifted them. You have put your spirit in them. You are developing them and empowering them to be your people in a world who so desperately needs to witness the signs and wonders of who you are. And so as we, as we release them here now, as they go downstairs and as they, um, as they learn about you, as they encounter you, I pray that you would just um, encourage them in every way. that you would fill them with your joy, that you'd fill them with your peace, and in your peace that they may go in power. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Kids, you are dismissed. Release the hounds. good <laughs> so um my, my family is away um, 
Um, I'm, I'm alone at home. Home alone. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, the, their annual trip up to New York to see uh, family. And just so happens that um, my, my brother and sister, um, unknowingly to one another, got engaged 24 hours apart from each other. Um, and so one wedding was, was back in November, and I'll be, I'll be officiating my sister's wedding in Las Vegas in February. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, so um, it was, it's my sister's bridal shower this weekend. One of my nephews was in a musical production of the Newsies with the University of Rochester. And uh, so they had some things to celebrate this weekend. And um, my kids are blessed with amazing cousins. Cousins are a gift. Um, and uh, so we pretty much do everything we can to in- encourage and support and um, build into those relationships that they have with their cousins. And uh, good times. Unfortunately, my, my brother, the one who lives in Rochester, has a lot of cats and that's why I am not there. Not because I dislike cats, even though I do a little bit. I do. I, I'll, I'll confess that they're not my favorite animal. But my 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 allergies protest. So, um, but I'm so glad to be here with you. I wasn't going to miss three weeks in a row. Um, I was very sad to to miss you all last week. I think that Rob said that I chickened out. I think it was the phrase that he used. Not the case, so let me tell you just a very quick story that's related to what we're talking about. <clears throat> so we, we left St. Lucia, and, and I don't know how many of you have ever been um, and, you know, on an island uh, or in you know, parts of the country other than the U.S. If you ever feel like complaining about airports in the United States, you will have a greater appreciation after this story. So they announced our departure flight from St. Lucia, Habanora Airport, and they announced the departure of another flight that was arriving in, or heading to Chicago, we were heading to Charlotte, another flight that was heading to um, Atlanta, and another flight that was heading to Philly, all out of the same gate. I kid you not, departing out of gate four to Chicago to Atlanta, to, to, to. And so we were literally herded like cattle. There were 600 people trying to get through one gate, right? And then, because it was just a special occasion, I was selected for secondary screening on my way out. Yes! Hallelujah! Um, And so I, uh, I had to go through secondary screening, Enough said. And then I was, you know, sent out to the airport or to the, to the plane. Uh, on the way into Charlotte, I had to get Margaret's permission to share this. On our way into Charlotte was a, uh, a storm, and um, Margot got sick. It was the first time that I've ever seen somebody use the little bag in, in the plane. And they, and they were right next to me. It was so intimate um, and, and wonderful. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> as she filled the bag. Okay, anyway, moving forward. So that's our experience so far. Now, our travel agent had left us about an hour and 20 minutes to 
connect to our next flight. Normally, not a problem, right? Except for when you come in internationally, you have to go through immigration. You have to go through customs. You have to recheck your bag. You have to go back through TSA. <clears throat> when we arrived in Charlotte, we found out that we were one of seven international flights that arrived within a 30-minute window. Immigrations was a nightmare. I mean, it, it was, I've never seen that many people getting back into the country at one time. <clears throat> Long story short, we sprinted to our gates. We were those people in the airport, right? You're just blowing by people. You're hitting people with your carry-on. You don't even care, right? You're just like, get everybody move, right? And we're just moving through. We get there at, our flight left at 1020. We got there at 1019. And our flight left at 1016. So, um, we didn't make it. And uh, our flight wasn't until 9.25 the next morning. But I did watch on live stream, which is just not the same. I really missed you all. St. Lucia was beautiful. Um, but so is this place. So, I'm glad to be back. We are in a series called The Abundant Life. And how this is related is we're talking about integrity today. One of the things I did not share with you was my attitude during all of that that happened. Um, and I may confess some things to you this morning just to get it off my chest. Anyway, um, we're talking about integrity this morning. It is one of our core values. But um, for those of you who are new to us, uh, for those of you who are visiting with us, uh, 1010 Community is based on the message of John 1010. Um, John 10, 10 says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And our vision statement here at 1010 is that we will be a people who pursue and point people to an abundant life in Jesus Christ. So this series, the abundant life series, this is all about there are, there are ways in which we are going to express what that looks like in an outward nature, and we'll get that toward the end of the series. But mainly what we're talking about through this series is how, how do we live that we experience abundant life? How is it that we experience it personally in our homes, experience it here together corporately as the body of Christ? How do we experience it? And so the first week, Danny talked about um, authenticity. And the, the, the importance of coming to a place where we create safety with one another and comfort in knowing that we are fully known by God and take the risk of being vulnerable and actually remove our masks. To not perform or to be, try to be somebody that we're not. That through authenticity, we are able to set ourselves up. Our, our core values, this is a progression. We really want you to understand that. If we're going to be people who can experience transformation, like Rob Stopper talked about last week, if we're going to be a people of integrity, like we're going to talk about this week, it starts with us being real, with being the real you, and being able to do that and risk that with one another and find that you are loved and accepted for exactly who you are. Danny shared this during the announcements. Like, we're excited to, to join up with you wherever you are on your journey of, of knowing and following Jesus, we're excited to, to jump in with you. 
So you don't have to have it all together. Um, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to live it out per perfectly. Um, if that were the case, then all of the disciples would be disqualified and we wouldn't have much of a New Testament. Okay? Um, Jesus seemed to have fondness. God seems to have fondness for broken people. So I want to make sure to understand. I mean, think about King David's life for just a moment. If you're not familiar with this, I, I have a, a personal affection for the life and story of King David, being that's my namesake, and, and uh, it always blows my mind when I think about all the things that, that David did that seemed like, look, if, if David was, David would not get hired in any church, right? Oh, he, he committed adultery? Nah. He, he, um, he murdered somebody? Nah. Right? But what, what, is, what does God say? God says, David's a man after my own heart. Your authenticity is an open door to a, a lot of things that God wants to have for you. Be willing to be real. And the, 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 the topic of today, integrity, seems to be a little bit related, right? We, we have all these words that kind of get jumbled in together. We have like authenticity, um, integrity, character, right? Um, all kinds of words. You know? And really what it comes down to, what we find actually in Scripture, I was, I was doing a word study Almost, there are only like four times in all of scripture that a word is used that actually means integrity. Most times, if you look up integrity, what you find is that um, righteousness is used most. And so, as we talk about this today, I want to just pose a question to you, okay? And, and this is just to, food for thought as we, as we move through God's word this morning. That when it comes to integrity, let's just take a look at this, this question. <laughs> you got it up there for me, bud? If your reputation met your character on the street, would they know each other? Like, Dave, you're, you're starting a little rough. If your reputation met your character on the street, would they know each other? See, Integrity, integrity is, is this very interesting thing where we actually come to this place where we recognize that, that integrity is what's ha actually happening on the inside. We have to be incredibly, incredibly good stewards of our integrity. See, when I was running through the airport, well, really, it started way back in, in you know, being herded like cattle. I, I, had, I had a bad attitude. I had a bad attitude. But I did not have a bad attitude on the outside. I had a bad attitude on the inside. My reputation was intact. But my integrity was not. See, inside I was, you know, Inside, I was, I was having a lot of different thoughts. And this is the difference between our conduct and our integrity, our character. See, we often use the word character in, in like Christian and church circles, 
But character can go either way. It's just a set of, do you have the, yeah, what's the difference between character and, and, and integrity? So this is the definition for character. Character is the mental and moral qualities that are distinctive to an individual. Well, you could have terrible morals. And that would be your character. You could have some things not right in the head. <laughs> and that would be your character. And that's why Bill is a character. <laughs> I'm glad you told on yourself, Bill. Right? But here's the definition for integrity. Integrity is the quality of being honest and having, possessing, living out strong moral principles. This is integrity. See, character knows what to do or not to do. You can, you can have those things in your character. In your integrity, you actually do it. And you do it whether somebody is looking or not. How many of you heard the phrase, like, who are you when nobody is looking? And this is really the essence of what we're talking about. I heard a story of, um, uh, it was uh, uh, a young pastor. And uh, how many of you are familiar with Rick Warren? Okay, Rick Warren uh, is a pastor of Saddleback Church out in California. Um, at one point, I don't, I don't know how large they are now, but across all their campuses, they're like, I don't know, 50,000 people or something like that. It's like a small nation. And, um, but Rick Warren took it upon himself. There was a, a season where um, a bunch of young pastors were start, starting to, like, come onto the, you know, whatever, the scene. They were getting some rep, you know, a reputation of being great preachers, and their, their churches were growing. And so he selected 20 of these pastors, and he sent them a gift and said, I'm going to pray for you every single day. I'm for you. If you ever need me, if you find yourself coming up against troubles, if you find yourself struggling internally, I want you to know this is my, this is my cell phone number, and you can contact me anytime. I'm for you. 20. Now, two years ago, Rick Warren, in the midst of just a lot of things that have happened among especially megachurch pastors in America, it all has not been good. And um, Rick Warren was asked about this group of 20. And out of the 20, this should not have been emotional for me. I'm so brokenhearted over this. Out of the 20 that he set out to pray for every single day, one, one is still intact. One. In the letter that Rick Warren wrote to these pastors, he asked a very simple question. He said, you're going to have to make decisions every single day whether you want to eat well or sleep well. If some of you need some help figuring that out, I'll, I'll lay it out for you. You can either have wealth, comfort, 
all the things you desire in life, and you're going to have to cut some corners in order to have those things. Or you could rest your head on your pillow every night knowing that you've done things right. Would you rather eat well or sleep well? We have one primary text. I'm going to share some other verses with you. But if you want to turn to Proverbs chapter 11. I've been sharing with you all for, for a couple of months how much I love hearing the pages turn. And I was up here using an iPad. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a preaching Bible. And so I'll be with you turning pages this morning. Um, <clears throat> so Proverbs 11.6. We're going to read in a couple different versions. I'm reading primarily out of the ESV this morning. Um, and by the way, for those of you who, who may be new to, uh, to things of, of faith and, and Jesus, um, I think that different translations are one of, one of the coolest gifts that we have um, as, we, as we study God's word. Um, if we all had to read out of some of the older texts, uh, we would know nothing or understand nothing. And, and so what a gift it is to live in the time that we do, that we have different versions and translations of the Bible where we can understand it from different perspectives um, and so I would encourage you, anytime you're studying God's word, um, feel a sense of freedom to, to read it in a couple different translations to really get a better understanding of the big picture of what God is saying. But Proverbs 11, you know, uh, Proverbs written as a book of wisdom. We're down in verse 6, and it says that the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. And in the Passion Translation, this is how it, 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 it's uh, said to us. It says, integrity will keep a good man from falling. But the unbeliever is trapped, held captive to his sinful desires. Held captive by his sinful desires. I, I think about our, our culture that we live in today. As I was kind of going through this, and in full confession, um, I actually thought I was teaching on one core value um, until like Thursday. And then I realized, wait a minute, that's next week. Um, and so I had to completely redirect my studies, and um, and God was very gracious and, and gave me um, some some pretty uh, good insight into Scripture here. But as I was reflecting on integrity in our culture, you know, we we we, we live in a in a time where in- integrity is something that is is lacking. And uh, this is not one of those like doomsday messages. I'm we're not going to sit here and tear down society. What I am going to say is this, is that in a society where um, a lack of integrity is present, where people seem to make decisions based on feelings instead of facts, when, when we come into a place where that's happening, there is, there is something that stirs, even in, even in people who would disagree with you, they want somebody to say, this is the way. I know the way. This is the way to go. They might disagree with you. Listen, when I was um, when I was in high school, I uh, I was I was known as as a Christian, uh, especially in in the, the latter half of my high school years. I, I, was, I had that reputation, and uh, there was a season of my life in high school where I started to make some decisions that were very contrary to the person that I presented to be. And and so I had I had like some you know some some Christian friends, and I had some friends that were were not Christians, right? But they knew, they knew that I was a Christian. But what happened was I started making some decisions that were contrary to that. And I remember being in this one environment. The environment's not important. 
But what was important is that one of these guys came up to me and he said, hey, um, I'm confused. I said, okay. He said, I'm confused because this isn't who you are. What you're doing doesn't match who you are. And I could tell, I could tell that he was disappointed. Um, and that really, that really set me on a different path of understanding what really, like, what integrity actually is. Because we have a world, now listen, that, that guy to this day, I, I still, you know, see him on, on social media. Uh, to this day, I, did, I didn't impact his life that he's a, a follower of Christ. Right? But... So he, he's always been somebody who disagrees with my choice of, of faith and lifestyle. He's always disagreed with it, but he's also always respected it. And when I didn't live up to it, that, that shook him. And we have people all around us. Listen, you are a, an incredible group of people who, for most of you, you are, you are believing and following Jesus. You want the things of God. You want character being developed in your life, that you become more like Christ, that you reflect in your, both your heart and your mind. And I know that you do this. And yet, what that does is it sets us up as we live among people who do not believe and follow Jesus. Whether we know it or not, we are being watched. Does this match up? Is this actually, you know, is this person actually who they say they are? And, and so integrity becomes incredibly important. Incredibly important. Danny and I were talking earlier this week, and um, we were, well, not earlier this week. It was like yesterday. It, it, it felt like two days. Um, that's not how every day feels with Danny, by the way. He's, he's a great guy. So anyway. Um, but we were, we were realizing that integrity is kind of like, I'll just share with you exactly how we were describing it. Authenticity is like we—that's th- like um, like spiritual infancy. Like you, you just like being authentic, being the real you is basic moral character, right? Developing integrity is like going through. <laughs> I just got to say it now because I'm like stumbling over it. We were like, it's kind of like spiritual puberty. You're coming into a new phase. You're developing and becoming better. And integrity is one of those things, right, that it takes time to develop. It does. It's not like you can just decide today, I have integrity, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, bada bing, you've got it. It's not one of those deals. Integrity is something that is developed in you over time as we consistently make choices that are consistent with who we claim to be in Christ. Proverbs 11.6 says that the righteousness of the upright delivers them. As I told you, a lot of times when you look up integrity in a word study through scripture, righteousness comes up. The righteousness, so verse 5 says, the righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. Verse 6, the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust, by their sinful desires. Our hope here at 1010 is that you would have the opportunity to do this in your own life and with one another, okay, that you would develop integrity. Why, why in the world would we want to develop integrity? 
We live in a world where um, fast uh, growth, success, possessing, all those things become really important, and we don't need to even try. Listen, not one person in this room needs to try to have that be their motivation, right? You've been fed that. We've, all, we've been fed that since we were a kid. I know that I was. I remember on one of my report cards, I got this consistently on my report card every single grading period in, in elementary school. Does not work up to potential. Yeah. It's because, you know, ADD as a kid, every shiny object, I was just gone. You know, I was like, what math? Anyway, I figured it out mostly. And I would go home, and, and, and my mom would say something to the effect. And, and we, we kind of joke about it now. But she would say something to the effect of, well, I think I've told you all before. She, we actually developed a, a, a nickname of Norman Nohead. Um, that's, she said my, if my head wasn't attached, I'd lose it. And um, that negatively affected me in a very big way. What I was told was that... I wasn't able to succeed. I wasn't able to achieve. I wasn't able to do those things. But that's because there was also this message that, like, you, you, should, you should succeed. You should grow. You should gather wealth and success and do all these things. And that was kind of, and it became, actually, for me, it became actually a very negative pursuit in my life. To be very transparent, one of the things that you will do and this may be happening to some of you. And if I read your mail, I promise it's because I don't actually know this about you, but I just know that it's true in the human condition, okay? So if it, if it feels like I hit a little close to home, just trust that that's, that's God working in your life and I'm not actually referring to anything about you. When we move at a fast pace, and our society is built on this, when you move at a fast pace, you will cut corners. You just will. It is impossible to live with complete integrity and to move at a rapid pace to gain and to succeed. It, you just can't do it. You will make small compromises. And when you make small compromises, it gives way to what? Hey, you're here. When you make small compromises, what does it lead to? Bigger compromises. We're, we're, just, we're just built this way. And so this morning... Knowing that you are a group of people that want to live with integrity, I believe that about every single one of you, that you want to live with integrity, I just want to give you three things. Three things that will help you to develop integrity. And along the way, this is why the progression of our values are so very important. If you will remain authentic and you will be committed to developing spiritual transformation in your life. Rob talked about this last week. Spiritual transformation is not something that you do. It's something that happens in you, okay? Integrity will be the result of authenticity and spiritual transformation. It is the result of those things because it will be worked out in you. And so the first thing that you need, that I need, that we all need for integrity is space. Space. It is one of the greatest 
it is one of the greatest spiritual disciplines that you could allow God to develop in your life to adhere to his directive to rest. To rest. To create space in your life. If it's go, 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 something will get compromised. When we rest, when we create space, when we Sabbath, what happens is we slow down enough to listen to the voice of God, to be recalibrated, rejuvenated. Listen, I didn't even realize how much I needed rest until I went away. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even turn my mind off until Wednesday. And we left on Saturday. I had no clue how busy I had allowed my mind and my heart to feel. Rest is so important. Space is so important. Sabbath is so important. Um, this is what God's word has to say about it, right? In, in um, the book of Psalms, if you bring that verse up for me. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. If you want to protect your heart against all the enemies of integrity, rest. Create space. Experience Sabbath. Margo and I are developing a, a rule of life for our family. We've been working on it for a few months now. And a rule of life is, is really just um, a series of statements in which we say, this is how we are choosing to live. In order for us to live the life that God has for us, we're going to develop this. And so as a family, this is how we live. And one of those things is Sabbath. And we are not good at Sabbath. We are not good at resting. We're kind of like a doer family. And so this is going to be a discipline for us to learn how to actually take a day and just don't. One of our goals for experiencing Sabbath is, is to get bored. True statement. Really, it is. Like, I want to get to that place where I'm like, I don't know what to do. What do you want to do? Uh, I don't know. What do you want to do? Can anyone remember the last time that you've been so bored that that's actually what you were saying to one another? Anyone? Brian did. You know why Brian did? Can I share it? Yeah. So Brian was without a job for, for a few months. And when Brian first was without a job, that was difficult for him. And then he settled into this. I literally watched Brian's his demeanor go from frantic to rest. I never even told you that, but I literally watched it happen. And then it went back to frantic again. But I, I watched it happen. He experienced rest, and his heart was at peace. And there were things that were being developed in him in that rest period, and it looked a lot like integrity. So the first thing that we need is space, rest. The second thing we need, oh, this is so fun. You're going to love this one. Suffering. Yay. Pass. <laughs> and, and this is, this is just, it's, it's phenomenal to me, but it's the reality. We, we are not able. I, what is it about the human condition? What is it about us that we 
have to struggle in order to grow. And God has built it into all of his creation. In order for a tree to grow from a seed to being a tree, it struggles to grow every step of the way. Why? So that it can be strong. God's laws, both in the natural and the spiritual, are the same. James 1, right? says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of many kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And that steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy. This side's awake. Good job. Count it all joy. I was listening to a podcast. If you guys have never listened to Graham Cook, he's, he's pretty great. Whenever I'm feeling discouraged, he's a great podcast to listen to. Um, he's just this British guy that lives in the States, and he's just fun to listen to because of his voice. Um, but he has such a, I almost said, the name of his podcast is Brilliant Perspectives. Um, and I almost said, he has a brilliant perspective. <laughs> well, duh. Yeah. Um, but this is, this is the reality, right? So he had a podcast, and the, 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 the title of the podcast was, So You Have a Problem? No problem. I was like, oh, that, that sounds like fun, right? Um, and it was a great podcast. I love listening to it, and it gave me such a, such a different perspective on suffering. Can you imagine if we were a group of people that walked around, and, and someone's like, hey, how you doing? Well, I got this problem. And, and we just responded to each other instead of like, oh, oh I'm sorry. You know, we try to encourage each other. If you're like super spiritual, you got to pray for them. What if instead, when someone said they had a problem, we just, like, high-five them? Like, that's great, right? Or someone comes up, and they're like, you're like hey, how you doing? Good, you know, there's really nothing going on in my life right now. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry. No, don't worry, it's coming. Like, it'll, it'll come for you. Don't worry, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing? If we were just to shift our perspective on suffering, knowing this, that God's word says multiple times uh, in in the letter to Peter, and in James, in, in Psalms, and in Proverbs. Jesus even talked about it, right? He's like, in this world you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There is no problem, right? I think Rob actually talked about that last week. I remember him saying that, and I actually was like, I had to like struggle internally a little bit. Like, what do you mean there's no problem? And so I just want to like clarify. There are problems, Jesus promised them, you will have problems, but it's great. It's so great because it's going to produce in you if you are committed to authenticity and spiritual transformation in your life. If you will take that problem and you will let God work it and work it in you, the, the result of that is going to be a time where you actually see integrity develop in your life. So we need space. We need rest. We need suffering. Amen. And we need community. The third one is we need community. I don't care what phase of life you're in. If you believe the lie that you can live this Christian life on your own, it's not going to go well for you. There are some of you in this room that can probably 
remember a time where maybe like you were kind of in a, in a, in a place where you maybe had to leave a church for a bad reason or um, you went through a phase of life where things got hard and you kind of drew away from communities. Everyone, are we willing to tell on each other here? Has anyone ever been in that place before, right? I know I've been in that place before where the, the weight of what's going on in my life seems so insurmountable that my tendency was actually to withdraw. And I remember uh, a particular season in, in my life where that was occurring. And I had, I had two friends. I still refer to them as my Job friends. You know, in that moment where, where Job has everything taken from him, he's just kind of sitting by himself and he's scraping his, his, the sores on his body with like a piece of broken pottery. I mean, that just seems like, like the most despicable of places, right? You're just, like, it doesn't get lower than that. You've lost everything. You, you were among the wealthiest, and now you're among the poorest. You've lost family members. You have all these things, and you've got these boils on your body, and you're scraping them with a broken piece of glass. And Job's friends, they didn't do it all right, but the first thing that they did is they came and they just sat down with Job. They didn't say a word. I think the scripture says that they sat silent with him for two days. And I was going through, because of, because of my own sin, I was going through a terrible time. And I just remember um, two of my friends, Brandon and, and um, Sean. I'm sorry, Tim. Brandon and Tim. And they would just sit with me. They just be present with me. They wouldn't let me withdraw. They just would just kind of sit there and not say anything. And for some reason, not saying anything was like saying a whole lot. It was just powerful. And it drew me out of that place of solitude where I kind of withdrew to be, be by myself, to feel sorry for myself, to be like my own punishment. And... and their presence really brought me back into God's presence. This is what God's word has to say about community. Proverbs eleven fourteen: where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Where there is no guidance, we fail. But among counselors, there's safety. This morning, I, I, want, I just want to encourage you just ask a simple question. Will you commit your life to developing integrity? Will you do it? Will you allow your life to be just open and available? If you are going to do that, there are three things that will keep you in that place. It's so very, very important. You need space. You need rest. You need Sabbath. You need suffering. As weird as that sounds, it's so very vital to our development. And finally, you need community. And so if you have been finding yourself actually walking largely alone, can I just encourage you to begin to reach out to some people? One of the greatest traps of, of isolation is that we develop an expectation. Well, if someone wanted to be with me, if someone wanted to talk to me, they would come to me. Can I just fill you in 
on the human condition, we are de by default selfish. Okay? Just turn to the person next to you and say, you're selfish. Some of you did not play along. You just kind of looked at that person and smiled like, they are. They are. And by default, you will be self. Listen, it is the best thing that you can do for yourself is to go up to somebody and say, I need to talk. I need help. I need encouragement. I, I tell Margo this all the time. We're, we're so much better at it now. We've been married for, for, it'll be 22 years this year. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And, but the first several years of our marriage were just awful. And we tell people that all the time. You know why? Because we were selfish. And she just kept thinking, he, he's just going to know what I need. And I kept thinking, well, she doesn't need anything. I'll just do my own thing. <laughs> yeah. You're all laughing at me right now, I know. So it's okay. But when we started to figure that out, we started to realize, like, hey, you know what? Like, it's, it's okay for Margo to tell me. This is what I need. Because, man, I'm super happy. I'm, I'm kind of wired that way. I, I might not have, like, a ton, of, a ton of skills, but it's one of my favorite things to just make her happy. Right? And then, I, and then I'm kind of like, you know, like, like the little dog that, like, brings the ball back after you toss it, and they kind of look at you like, did I do a good job? Right? I can be like that with Margo, but that's okay because I, I love making her happy. Y'all are going to be making fun of me, I can tell. But it's just the truth. And for me to get out of a place of, of, of selfishness into selflessness, to be more observant. Listen, we can, we can do this with one another. You can do this in your relationship with God. There's never a point. There's never a point in your relationship with God where he is distant. And so when you're feeling that sense of isolation in your relationship with the Lord, Talk to him. Get some time alone and say, Father, I'm struggling, and I need you to meet me right here, right here in the midst of my failure, in the midst of my shame, in the midst of whatever's going on. Just get there with God. He's there for you. And as a, as a community of believers, that we would do the same for one another. Make yourself available to one another. It's not, it's not just my job to be available to each and every one of you. I will burn out. I will be a ministry casualty. Our job here as leadership of this church is, like Ephesians 4 says, is to equip the saints for every work of ministry. Right? Until we reach all maturity. And so my encouragement to you this morning is to be this for one another. Encourage one another. Pursue one another. And if, if you find that there's somebody who's, who's distancing themselves, chase after them. Chase after them. Don't be obnoxious. Maybe just be like Job's friends and just sit there with them and be silent. And yet at the same time, if you are struggling in life, if you're finding yourself isolated and you're wondering why no one's reached out, no one's talked to you about it, would you be willing to take a minute and just look in, inside and say, have I told anybody that I'm struggling? Because we might not be able to guess.
What's the result of integrity? The results of integrity, the rewards of integrity, is that we become a group of people that when the world looks in and, and all of life seems chaotic, seems like we can't even figure out, I mean, it's hard to know even what, what restroom to go in anymore. When the world looks in and sees how you live, would you be willing to develop in yourself a sense of conviction, a deep moral value that says, I, I believe this is the right way. I'm, I'm rooted and founded in what God's word has to say. And I, I'm doing my best to let God develop me so that I can live this out. Then as we pursue and point people to abundant life in Jesus, this is what happens with integrity. It's so great. Your life actually matches your message. How beautiful is that? And now when you say, God loves you, God forgives you, his, his grace is available to you. This is the witness of my life. This is how he's changed me. They look at your life and they're like, yes, that makes sense. May we become a people who live with such integrity that even if the world disagrees with us, they still see Jesus. Rick Warren, with the one pastor that was left out of the 20, passed the baton to this pastor and said, I want you to find 20. The pastor's name that he passed the baton to is Craig Grishel. Craig Grishel is pastor of another very large church in Oklahoma called Life Church. Craig has done an incredible job at, at, at mentoring a number of, of young, developing pastors. Pastors or not, as just the people of God, my hope, my prayer for you is that you find yourself in a place where you are realizing that you are growing and developing in your integrity. And I pray that you will be willing to find the help to do that. That you will be authentic. That you'll be dedicated to spiritual transformation in your life. And that you'll be willing to walk that out with a community of people. That in three years, five years, ten years from now, what we find is we can look back and be amazed at who we've become together. The last thing I want to share with you this morning is... Um, when we set out to be the church that we believe that God has called us to be, one of the things that we recognize is that we were, um, as hard as it is, we're going to have to be a, um, you know, a, a ascending church. People would not always stay with us. Um, that sometimes we have, to, we have to release people in order to be um, a blessing to the greater body of Christ. It is the it is the, the commission that we have. Uh, Hebrews 5, actually. Uh, <coughs> Jesus, or Paul, we'll, we'll assume it's Paul that wrote Hebrews. You know, there's differing opinions on who wrote the book. But um, the writer of Hebrews actually is writing to the Jewish 
church and he says, all of you ought to be teachers by now. But instead we're having to come to you to teach you the most basic of things once again. Um, Betsy uh, has been one of those people, if you want to come up, Betsy, has been one of those people where um, this has been her, this has been her, her church for a very long time, right? Um, and, she, and she was with us through the transition. She was with us as we became 1010 Community. Um, and God gave her a word for the year, and the word was new beginnings. And uh, so Betsy came and talked to me. Actually, it was like the day before I left, day before or two days before I left for vacation. Um, and, you know, I anticipated when she's like, hey, we should get together and talk. I'm like, yep, here it comes. Um, we're going to have to, we're going to have to send Betsy. Um, and um, I anticipated it was actually going to be a hard conversation. Um, it turned out um, to not be. Because this is the graciousness of God. We can, we can be sad when somebody leaves. But there are two ways in which people leave churches, right? Uh, they disappear. Yeah. The least favorite way. And everyone's just kind of like, where'd they go? And then there's the right way. Because even though Betsy is leaving this fellowship, we still go to church together. And we are still the church together. Um, and so uh, Betsy um, has served so very faithfully. Um, and you have served so well and you've loved people so well. And we're so grateful for all that you have sown into this body. Um, and it is, um, it's okay to be sad. And yet at the same time, it's also um, a gift that we are able to bestow to Betsy that we wouldn't harbor anything, but that we would be willing to join in her joy as God continues to lead her life and to send her with blessing and with honor that when she leaves this place, she goes with no baggage. Can you imagine not having to carry church baggage from one place to another? Yeah. Um, as we, as we kind of close this out, um, worship team, you can kind of come up. And for the rest of you, could you just join me up front here? Can we just surround Betsy? Can we pray for her? Do you want to share anything? So when I got the words New Beginnings, I knew that it had to do with me moving on from 1010. Um, and so, you know, it is bittersweet. I, I'm sad to leave you all. I love you, and I love 1010. And I really appreciated the opportunity to serve in a number of different ways. And... Uh, you know, I agree with Dave that we are all the kingdom of God, so we're still serving together. We're serving the same king, the same kingdom. And, Bill, I so much appreciated your word. And you better believe I'm going to get my guitar out. <laughs> I've been playing keyboard for a while. But, yeah. Um, and just the idea of a new assignment, um, that's the thing that's kind of overarching in all of this is, um, you know, any new beginning requires a letting go, and it's hard. That's hard for all of us, but that's the picture God gave me was um, to step forward into the new and embrace it. I can't. I have to let go of something back here. So I just want to encourage all of you in whatever area of life God is asking you to let go of something, uh, and he has something new for you, um, just follow him in it. And that's what I'm trying to do. I can't say it's been easy, 
but um, he's going to give me some space here. We're talking, we're talking about space today because we don't know where we're going. It's kind of like, uh, you know, the example of Abraham in the Bible. God is sending us, but we don't know where we're going. We have some ideas, but we want God's ideas. So, so prayer is appreciated uh, for that, that, you know, we would know where we're going at some point. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you all. Here, let's, let's just pray for Betsy.
And so, Father, we thank you for the beauty of your body. We thank you for the time we could share together in worship as we could uh, join you in, in, um, in praying for one another. We thank you for your, the power of your word. And we just ask that you would develop in us both a desire and a path for integrity. And we thank you that we have a heart, a collective heart together to pursue all things in your body with, with health and integrity as well. And so we just seal this time, Father, by just allowing ourselves to just reflect again in worship. We praise you. We thank you for who you are in all things, that you would receive the glory, the majesty, that, that among us, God, that we would proclaim your fame and proclaim you as king over our lives. We reflect and remember what, what our brother Rob shared last week as he invited everyone in here to not come to church. <laughs> but instead, that as we gather here today, the, the church entered this building. And in the same vein, the church is about to leave this place. And so as we leave, may we go in your grace, in your peace, and in your power to be a light, to be a flame for the world. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Uh, you all go in peace. Have a wonderful week, and uh, just let, let, this, let this resonate with us. Um,